All right, well, we are continuing our series. It's week two of a new series we started uh, called Disciple. Called Disciple. And we are talking about a false distinction between a disciple and a Christian. There are a lot more people who are willing to say they're a Christian than there are people willing to say they're a disciple. And so there seems to be this understanding that being a Christian is one thing and being a disciple is another thing. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at the Bible definition of Christian, it just means a disciple. Disciples were called Christians. There is no distinction between disciple and Christian. They're the same thing. And so it's not like you've got the people who sort of a little bit believe in God, but they don't take it very seriously, and that's the Christians. And then you got like the hardcore believers, and those are the disciples. It, it's That's a false distinction. You've got the people who are disciples, they are Christians, and then you've got the people who aren't. And there's only those two groups. That's it. There's nothing else. So if you want to be a Christian, that you're saying, I want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be a follower of the ways of God. That's what a Christian is. That's what a disciple is. They're the same thing. So we're trying to understand the differences and apply them to different situations. And... Uh, um. I don't want you to get too terribly confused now, though. Uh, is everybody called to full-time ministry? Trick question, Trinette. Where's Trinette? She's going to say, warn them first, because I always ask questions that have an obvious answer, but that answer is wrong, so then I have to correct everybody. Is everybody called to full-time ministry? No, of course not. Everybody, though, is called to full-time Christianity. You are called to follow Christ seven days a week, 24 hours a day, but not everybody is called to full-time ministry. Not everybody is going to uh, go become a missionary in Africa or become a pastor or that sort of a thing. The vast majority of disciples are going to continue in their normal job and they're going to raise their families and they're going to live their lives as followers of Christ. But they're not going to go into full-time ministry. Now they're going to they're going to do daily devotions. They're going to come to church. They're going to have close Christian relationships and people that they can walk through life together. They're going to serve the Lord in various ways, but they're going to be living just regular lives like everybody else. So being a disciple doesn't mean you have to go into full-time ministry. That's something the Lord will either call you to or not. And you'll know. So when we say every Christian should be a disciple, we're not saying that every Christian needs to go into full-time ministry because that's just simply not the case. I've seen people try to go into ministry who are not called to ministry, and it's just a disaster. It's just painful. Because they're not bearing much fruit, and they're miserable, and it's just hard. Have you ever seen that? That kind of a bummer deal? It's a rough one. Be who God created you to be and be content with that. You know, it's a good thing. It's okay. I'll take the pressure off on that. All right, but what does a disciple look like? In 2014, I'm not saying walk around with sandals and robes and a shepherd's staff and say, behold a lot and that sort of thing. You know, what does it mean to be a disciple? How does that go? And so we're trying to understand what it is. And last week I gave you some tools and we're going to run through those real quick and try to uh, try to get these ingrained because I want you to be able to have these tools, this ability to distinguish different things as you walk through life, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, you can uh, discern, is this something that's from God or not? By using these tools. And so let's look at them. Uh, we've got four categories. 
four different things. The first one is the stuff of a disciple. We read in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the, uh, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So he says, go make disciples. Don't go make people who are willing to go, yeah, I guess, I'm, I'm a Christian, I guess. Go and make disciples. Go make people who are baptized. They've made a public commitment to the living God. And, they, and go make people who are going to obey the teachings of Christ. Teach them to obey. Is that what we're supposed to do? Go supposed to go make disciples. These are people who will make a public commitment. They'll make a commitment to the Lord and they will live out the teachings of Christ. So a disciple is someone who follows the ways of God. A disciple is someone who follows the ways of God. Then, we talked a little bit about church culture. And I'll just read a little snippet of what we did last week. Mark 7, 7 and 8. Jesus is yelling at the Pharisees as He liked to do. And he quotes Isaiah and adds a little bit on from himself. He says, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Is it possible to worship in vain? It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It says, they worship me in vain. That means their worship is worthless. It accomplishes nothing. It does nothing. If you're going to show up here anyway, you might as well get something out of it, right? You might as well accomplish something. You might as well get somewhere. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. So there can be the ways of God and then there's the ways of men. So there's the ways of God that a disciple follows, but then there's there's the church culture and those don't necessarily have to be the same thing, do they? They can be different things. You can have the ways of God, and then just like, well, here we do it this way. And the, the fun example we used last week was the, the uniform. You know, in, in our kind of churches, everybody wants to be hip and cool. And so you got, I wore my fancy pants just to show you what I'm talking about. Trinette got me these pants so that I'd be hip and cool. Aren't these nice? And then I tried to wear a decent shirt, but you're supposed to have like stitching up here and stuff. And then, uh, then you're super cool. And she said, my shoes are no good. I should wear bowling shoes, she said. But anyway, she said, yeah, they wear like bowling shoes. Eh? She's like, they're terrible shoes. But anyway, there's this, this hip, cool culture. You gotta be just kind of slick in that sort of thing. And that's, that's not the ways of God. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Wear what you need to wear, that sort of thing. But if you get focused on that, trying to be hip and cool and get people to like you, you can miss the ways of God and all you are is church culture. And that's not the ways of God. That's just a separate thing. So we talked about that. It's very important to realize that when we're talking about church culture, the ways of men, the traditions of men, it could be old-style church. It can be new-style church. It doesn't matter. It just means that what you're doing is just a group thing and it has nothing to do with God. That can be old-style. It can be new-style. It doesn't matter. All right. So church culture... Uh, is the ways of men. So we've got the ways of God that a disciple follows. If you're following the church culture, you're following the ways of men. Then we talked about itching ears. 2 Timothy 4.3 
itching ears. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Does this sound like the thing of a disciple? These are people, they're going to church, right? They've got teachers. They're showing up. But they're not putting up with sound doctrine. They want what their itching ears want to hear. So this is the way of preference, the way of personal preference. These people are not following the ways of God, but rather they're following their own desires. If you want to go to church in the United States, you have to go church shopping, don't you? Either that or just stick with what your parents told you and then you're just in a particular culture. But you got to go. you got to go from church to church and figure out where you're supposed to go, don't you? But what will happen then is you'll start to evaluate the churches and try to figure out which one you like the best. Right? I mean, what else are you going to do? But then what are you setting yourself up for? You're setting yourself up for picking what you like the most. And sometimes if somebody has something to say that you don't like, you might need to hear it. But if you don't like it, you'll just go somewhere else. Because they'll tell you something you do like and you feel much more comfortable and more accepted there. But you don't grow into a disciple. You just are a perpetual seeker. And that doesn't help you. You just get what your itching ears want to hear. So, that's the ways of preference. And then, we talked about an icky one. I was hoping it would just be those three. You know, and I was kind of figuring out the sermon series. Okay, what are our categories? We've got the disciple category. We've got church culture. It's important to distinguish between the two. Then we've got personal preferences. It's important to distinguish that from culture and from the ways of God, sure. And then... <laughs> Have you ever noticed there can be darkness in church? There can be icky, yucky stuff. Jesus talked about this in Matthew. Throw that up there, Seth. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Jesus warned the people that would listen to Him to watch out for religious people that are coming in a wrong spirit. He told them to watch out for that. Do we still need to watch out for that? Yes, we do. We still have to be careful. It would be nice if we didn't have to, but we do. James 3.16 kind of brings this more home to me. James says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So this is darkness. This is evil. Envy and selfish ambition. Do you ever find envy and selfish ambition inside the church world? Between individuals and between groups. Do you ever find envy and selfish ambition wanting to beat somebody else, wishing you were doing the same things that somebody else was doing? Envy and selfish ambition. If there's envy and selfish ambition, what is the result? You find disorder and every evil practice. Earlier in this chapter, James describes it as of the devil. That is darkness. So these are people, these ferocious wolves, they're people who are 
either thinking they're following God or they're pretending to be following God, but they've got something different on the inside. They're either a, a bad guy and they're trying to get in by presenting themselves as a good guy, or they think they're a good guy, but when you look inside, there's something dark in there. Have you ever uh, looked inside and found envy and selfish ambition? Even as a good believer and trying to do things right, and you see envy in there, or you see selfish ambition. Did you know we are to be more than conquerors? We are, we're supposed to be something else. You know, Christians should be looked at by the rest of the world and they should go, wow, look at those people. That's amazing. But not, we don't want to be there in a selfish way. We want to advance the kingdom of God. We want to show God strong. So envy and selfish ambition produce disorder in every evil practice. You can end up there not on purpose. So you got to be careful. That one can sneak up on you. Even from the church world. We'll talk about that. So I won't talk about it right now. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But you can get caught up in that. And then you end up having yucky thoughts. Well, what are you now? Are you a sheep or a wolf? If you got yucky thoughts towards other people, whose side are you on? You look inside, there's darkness in there. What are you following? Now you're following darkness. That's not good. So we want to be aware that other people might have that happen, but we don't want it to sneak up on us either. We don't want to be jealous of the, the super cool because we're just like moderately cool. You know, like we're average cool. But there's the super cool churches. No, man, I wish we were super cool. All, you know, all that stuff. We want to make sure we don't get that envy and selfish ambition in there that starts to mess all of that up. So ferocious wolves would define that as following the ways of darkness. Following the ways of darkness. It can be done on purpose or it can sneak up on you. You got um, the ways of preference. You got the ways of men, the church culture. And then you got the ways of God. So we want to look at the different things and put them in the right categories. And today, we are going to talk about your relationship with your Heavenly Father. How does this look like in the different categories? And so, let's pray a little bit again when we get into the new stuff here. And we will talk about our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we give You praise. We honor You. We thank You that we can have a real relationship with You. We thank You that You guide us by Your Spirit and You guide us by Your Word. Help us to see what You've got for us today. Help us to walk with You in Your ways. Not just pushed by a culture and doing what other people tell us to do. Not following our own personal preferences and just what we want and not getting caught up in the yucky stuff in the stuff of darkness. But Lord, let us seek You, find You, and walk with You. And let us see what that's like. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. O oh, man, to walk out these days with the living God. Have you ever felt alone? I want to walk out every day with the living God. Together, experiencing life. I'm very excited about that. I'm starting to realize this envy and selfish ambition thing. I've been checking that out with my own spirit, you know. Why do you think Americans are always so depressed and unhappy? You notice we're depressed and unhappy? But life is great! It's the, we're living the best lives that any human beings have ever lived on the planet ever. 
and we're depressed and unhappy. What What is going on with that? I, I, I was thinking about it yesterday, and I thought, you know what? We are aware of every cool thing everybody else has and does. You know, you know what I mean? Like, we can compare ourselves to thousands or millions of people who are living better lives than us. <laughs> and even though we're living a better life than so many billions of people, we can think, we can drive down the street and be like, well, that house is better than mine. That car is better than mine. That family seems to get along better than mine. You know, I saw something on TV I really want, but I know I'll never get. And we just, we're bombarded with all these things that make our own lives seem insignificant and really not of that much value. Well, guess what? To follow Christ, to walk with God, I'm endeavoring to take a deep breath, smell the air and say, that was a nice breath. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, I can stand up straight. My back doesn't hurt. Hallelujah. What a wonderful day. This is a good day. We have to learn to appreciate and be happy with the lives that we have. Otherwise, it's envy. And what comes from envy disorder and every evil practice. Well, I don't want to be going down that road where I'm just discontent and yucky and icky and i got, you know, and there's the yuck in there. What am I following now? I'm following darkness. I don't want to do that. So I'm taking deep breaths from time to time, enjoying life. Give me a nice cup of coffee. Just engage life. That, I think, should be what we get to when we walk with our Heavenly Father the right way. When we have that experience. What relationship with God does a disciple have? And then how does that get messed up if it's in one of the wrong categories? What kind of relationship with God does a disciple have? So let's look at the three bad categories first, and then we'll try to get to the good category. What kind of a relationship with God does a disciple have? So if we're looking at church culture, have you noticed you can go to church, you can participate in church, you can be an important piece of the church and have no relationship with God whatsoever? Have you noticed that? You can do all the things of church. You can even be a pastor and have no relationship with God. It's very possible. I did research one time. There's something like 15% of pastors don't even believe in God. It's an amazing thing. Uh, you can do just fine <laughs> without God because you can function inside the church culture. And the primary mistake that the church culture makes as far as relationship with God is concerned is what I wrote in my notes, which says surrogate father syndrome. We are to have a personal relationship with the living God. We are to walk with God in God's ways. But instead of walking with God, we can walk with church. We can walk in the church ways and the church can be in the position that God should be in. And we serve the church. We get approval from the church, from the people. We do the things the church wants us to do. And we're just serving church, but we're missing God. It's the surrogate father syndrome where the church becomes basically a surrogate God. One of the things that's wrong with organized religion, I believe in organized religion, the only other option is disorganized religion, and that's not very helpful. All it is is got the same problems, but it's just a mess. And so, But one of the problems with organized religion is 
if you start really having some success and you start getting going, organized religion has a tendency to worship itself rather than God. Have you noticed that? The denomination, the local church, the group starts to be what you talk about, what you think about, what you're serving, rather than serving God. I don't want anybody here to be a primary servant of Good Hope Church. We should be servants of Christ. Amen? We should not be servants of Good Hope Church. Good Hope Church is the vehicle, it's the tool that we use to serve God with. We serve God through the church. We don't serve the church. We serve God. We don't worship the church. We worship God. The uh, the Scripture talks about this. Paul yells at the Corinthians about this. They started, you know, fracturing and joining different groups and saying, I follow Paul, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. And it, it wanders through. It's mentioned in chapter 1. Here in chapter 3, we'll read just a little bit of it. Uh, here, Paul is yelling at the Corinthians. And he says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. So he's not real happy with them, is he? You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? So what Paul is saying to the Corinthians is he's saying you're not following the ways of God, you're following the ways of men. You're not submitting to and serving God, you're not walking with God, you're doing something else. Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says I follow Paul and another I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? If we translate that into this world, if one says well I follow good hope and I follow the tab, are you not mere men? Well, what difference does it make? Is good hope going to be in heaven? You know our relationships can be in heaven. People that come here and get saved can go to heaven. The works that we do can have rewards in heaven, but there will be no separate section for Good Hope Church. Did you know? I, I, I'm bursting some bubbles. Bubbles are bursting. Like, oh no, we're going to hang out with those other people. Yeah. yeah, all the Christians are going. Just letting you know. And it's going to be one big group. It's not going to be separate groups. And so, when we separate the groups, we end up acting like mere men. So, the local church or denomination is the vehicle for serving and worshiping God. Do not let the vehicle displace God and become the thing that is being served and worshipped. Alright. The big danger with that is when you let the church culture take the place of God in who you're serving and worshipping, you will be disappointed. Good old church, the tab, there isn't any church that's worth worshipping. Did you know that? Only the living God is worth worshiping. Only the living God is worth submitting to and serving with your life. You do that through a local church. That's a big part of it. There's other stuff involved, of course, as well. But we don't want the church culture to displace God and end up as our surrogate father instead of our heavenly father being our father. Itching ears. 
What does this look like, this relationship with God? What is the primary mistake when you're dealing with itching ears? Uh, the relationship with God that gets uh, that is characterized by itching ears is what they call an inverted relationship with God. An inverted relationship with God is where you want God to serve you, not you serve God. It's an inverted relationship where I am doing my things and I want God to help me with my things. Did you know God has a plan and He wants us to line up with His plan and go with Him? So the itching ears tend to end up with an inverted relationship with God where instead of us serving God, we want God to serve us. And now... Man, there are some amazing blessings in serving God. Would you agree with me? So we can talk about that, and that's perfectly fine. But if we're in it for the benefits, rather than for the worship and the service of the living God, because that's what He deserves, and that's how we want to align ourselves with God, if we want Him to serve us instead of us serving Him, we're in trouble. It's an inverted relationship with God. It's actually a very common mistake. People want God to serve them. Oh, I love that one. All right. When you meet with God, who bows down? Do you want Him to bow down? Or do you? When you meet with God, who bows down? If you're mad at God, you're probably in this category. Because you have expectations of Him helping you with certain things and it's not working out. And so you get mad at Him because you want Him to do the stuff you want Him to do and it's not happening that way. Check your heart if you're mad at God and find out, are you wanting Him to go with you or are you wanting to go with Him? Let's read Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, are there benefits to serving the living God? You receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Life and death itself cannot shake the kingdom of God. And that is where we are citizens. Hallelujah. But does it keep going? Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. Do you want to worship God acceptably? Yeah. How do we do that? What does it say? With reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. This is one of the things that, you know, again, we're cool, right? Cool church. We're... Not necessarily good at reverence and awe. Good at Jesus is my friend. You know, ooh, yeah, okay. Don't forget reverence and awe. You are dealing with the living God, the creator of the universe. Do not... You know what I mean? Like, it's a little tricky here. Because God, we have a friend in the living God. Hallelujah. But we're not peers. You know what I mean? We're not like buds. That's a wrong way to look at it. We need to 
serve God, worship God. We did not have an inverted relationship with God. We're like, hey man, why don't you help me out with my stuff? You know, and all super casual. You know, we need to reverence God. We need to stand in awe of God. We need to understand who we are and who He is. And that doesn't make you feel all chummy (laughs) if you're aware of who God is. It makes you realize, okay, you know, have you you heard that song, I Can Only Imagine? I know I'm hitting the ground. There is no question in my mind. I I don't know what I'm going to do next. But I know I'm just hitting the ground. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm going to be hitting the ground. I'm not, I'm not worried about whether or not I'm going to do different things. I will hit the ground because I will be in the presence of the living God. I have trouble standing up right now just thinking of it. You know, like, oh man. The itching ears relationship with God can get irreverent. It can get too buddy-buddy. Yes, you have a friend in God. Understand what that means. Be thankful for it. Understand what the grace of God is. God likes you and He doesn't need a reason. That's how I like to define the grace of God. He likes you. He doesn't have a good reason. He just does. That's the way it goes. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. He just happens to like you. So He's going to help you out the best He can. You have to receive that. But He just likes you. It's the grace of God. But we still need to be reverent. We still need to realize who bows down when we meet with God. Who bows down? I do. We do. All right. So we've got the culture. You don't want to have the the church put itself in the place of God where you're serving the church and worshiping the church. And you don't want to get the itching ears syndrome where now God is serving you and, and you're irreverent and you don't understand what it means to worship in, in, in uh, reverence and awe. What would the ferocious wolf thing be with a wrong relationship with God? Have you ever met somebody whose relationship with God is so strong that they just hate you? (laughs) They're just walking with God so well that they hate all these people over here. And they hate all those people over there because they're just so close to God. Well, what is that? we got something dark going on there, don't we? Now, Envy, selfish ambition, vicarious ambition through your group or your church can cause this division within the body of Christ. That can be evil. Internal strife, external strife, hating other groups, hating unbelievers, hating people inside the church is all just yucky, icky stuff. It's not the ways of God, but we can get to a place where what we call there is a true righteous indignation. There is a true discernment, but most of the people who tell me they have a gift of discernment and who are walking in righteous indignation 
are just people who have a critical spirit and who don't like people and they're not walking with God at all. Now, let's talk a little bit about the relationship between Good Hope Church and other churches, just for a second here. Now, what can happen is, you start rooting for your church like you root for the Vikings. And then the tab becomes the Packers. Right? And so the tab's the Packers, and we want to beat the Packers because we're the Vikings. And we get this thing going on, right? It's not how it is that the tab is the Packers and Good Hope is the Vikings. No, that's not it at all. What we are is we're both parts of the body of Christ. We're part of a cuticle on one of the fingers, and the tab is that piece of the cuticle, and good hope is that piece of the cuticle. Should we fight with each other? No, that would be ridiculous. Let's not think of ourselves more grandly than we ought to. Ferocious wolves finding fault inside the body of Christ, finding fault outside of the body of Christ because we're so close to God. If you were that close to God, you'd have love for those people, however messed up they may be. So a disciple is someone whose relationship with God is different from those three things. What characterizes the relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, that a disciple has? First of all, we love God. That's the first thing, to love God. That's a commandment. We are to love God. And I submit to you, if you do not love God, you have not met God. Because if you meet God and you get to know Him, you will love God. Because He is very worthy of your love. And He likes you. So get to know Him. We are to worship God. We are to revere God. We are to serve God. A disciple learns the ways of God and walks them out. Does them. Did you know you're supposed to forgive? If you read the Bible, it says forgive. So a disciple actually does forgive. <laughs> Rather than holding on to bitterness for long periods of time, they actually let it go. Amazing stuff. But we do that because we're serving God, because of our relationship with God. And then we're supposed to be close with God. We should talk often. My family's not real close. We all like each other, but we're not super close. We don't talk very often. My cousin just met Trinette a month ago. We've been, we'll be married 23 years in July. <laughs> I have four cousins, two on my mom's side, two on my dad's side. This is a very small family. She should have met my cousin earlier than that. That's ridiculous. Um, that's not a close relationship. But we should have a close relationship with the living God. Did you know you can talk to the living God and He will listen? He wants to know what you have to say. As small and seemingly meaningless as it is, He just likes us and wants to hear he wants to know what's going on. He wants us to engage. We need to stay connected. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward and we're going to close. As we do that, I want to talk about a strained relationship. If you have a strained relationship with your earthly father or you have a strained relationship with your heavenly father, 
How do you fix it? How do you deal with that? Sometimes we have strained relationships. Of course, that can happen with people, but it can happen with the living God as well. How do you fix it? I'm going to give you just three steps. Number one, quit being mad. <laughs> How's that? Is that easier said than done? Hopefully that'll break something in somebody. Dad's just a person. When you're little, you just think dad is awesome. When you grow up, you realize dad's faults. And then on the other side of that, you realize, hey, he's just some guy. Hopefully doing the best he can. I can quit being mad at him for being a person. And then quit being mad at God. If your relationship with the God of heaven is one where you're mad at Him. Don't be mad at God. God is good. He really is. And the devil will... Here's the devil's trap. The devil will hurt you and say, look what God did to you. And you go, yeah, jerk. And then you go with the devil. Whoa, that's a trap. Don't be mad at God when the devil hurts you. Don't be mad at God when a person hurts you. People can be bad. The devil is always bad. Quit being mad at God. Don't fall in the devil's trap. So quit being mad. Step two, have the conversation. Church can turn into kind of a... I've heard of, of church being feminized. You know what I mean? Like, we sing songs and have flowers and light candles. And it's just it's a wonderful thing. And we cry and hug, and it's just a great feminine thing. I don't care how you need to have the conversation. You know, me and my dad, we don't cry and hug, we communicate in different ways. A handshake means a lot. You don't even need to say much. Whatever the conversation is, you need to have either with your Father, have it the way it needs to be had, or with your Heavenly Father. Guys, you don't have to cry. You, you can. It's okay. <laughs> but you don't have to. That's not the measure. The measure is, are you willing to have the conversation? Are you willing to, to put your hand out there and say, all right, I'm going with you. You just have to tell your Father in Heaven you want in. He'll bring you in. And then you need to be there. So, if, you're, if your dad, if your earthly father is alive, give him a call. You know? Build that relationship. If he's not, say a prayer for him, whatever. Be there for your Father in Heaven. Be a trustworthy son or daughter. And get to know Him better and better each day. Because you can. Our lives may, you know, they come and go, but we get to walk with God on this earth if we let Him in.
So I'm going to close in prayer. Prayer team's up here. If you need personal prayer, if you if you're not exactly sure how to have the conversation with God and get on the inside, they'll help you with that. Whatever other needs you may have, they will pray with you. If you need prayer, have the courage to come down and receive. God does good things when His people pray. So come together and do some prayer. But let's close together. Let's just honor the Father. Heavenly Father, we worship You and we thank You for Your grace and mercy. We thank You, Lord, that You are there for us, that You, you like us. Thank You for that. Thank You that we can, we can come to You and You will open the door for us. We just give You praise. We honor You. Lord, for those who, who in here have a strained relationship with You, I pray that, that their anger with You would be just broken. And Lord, that they would be willing to have the conversation in their own way, whatever that means. And that they would come in. And they would walk with You. Not distracted by the culture, not dealing with their own personal desires, not hung up on the darkness that's out there, but Lord, walking with You. And Father, I pray a blessing over each one in this place. Let Your strength be in us. Let Your love shine from us. And let Your truth go with us. So bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on down for prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord today.